Welcome to the Life and Legacy of Joseph A. Otis podcast series, where colleagues and friends share memories and stories and discuss the many contributions this visionary leader has made to the advancement of pharmacy practice. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series. I'm your host, Daniel Koba, Editor-in-Chief of HHP and the Vice President of Publishing at ASHP. This is the first episode in a duet of podcasts dedicated to a remarkable individual and a visionary leader in the pharmacy profession, Dr. Joseph A. Otis. We'll learn about his numerous contributions to hospital and health system pharmacy practice and his impact on the evolution of ASHP as the organization's longtime and influential CEO. With me today is Dr. Paula Bramowitz, ASHP CEO. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you, Dan. It's great to be here with you. Dr. Otis, Joe, had such a sustained and enduring influence on my career. So it's, it's an honor for me to have this opportunity to share with others what a remarkable individual he was. Paul, you and Dr. Otis go way back. In fact, you knew him for more than 35 years. What were some of your first impressions when you first met him? I went to my first mid-year meeting, Dan, as a, as a pharmacy resident in 1978. And at that time, I saw Joe at the podium making a few remarks. But the first time I met him was when I was on an ASHP council. He came around and introduced himself to each council member. And I had the opportunity then after that to get to know him a lot better when I joined the ASHP board of directors and also when I was ASHP president. So that's when I got to talk to him one-on-one fairly frequently and, and work with him very closely. From the very beginning, my impressions of Joe were that he had a very clear executive presence. He was the kind of person who instilled confidence. As I got to know him and talk to him, I learned that Joe was also a very caring individual with a high degree of intellect, but he never put on any airs. He was very selfless in the sense that he cared a lot about everyone and put others ahead of himself. He wanted to help develop the individuals he worked with He wanted to do what was best for ASHP, its members, and the profession of pharmacy. You talked about how caring he was, and Dr. Otis was known for creating a family-like atmosphere among ASHP staff. Did you get a sense, even back then, of his investment in the ASHP staff and how that caring extended to them? Absolutely. When I was on the ASHP council, I saw how he interacted with his staff, and you could see that the staff had a lot of respect for him as their leader. You could also see that he clearly tried to develop and maintain a sense of family and camaraderie with his staff. Then when I was on the board of directors, I could see that that sense of family was put forth even more clearly. When talking to staff members, there was a very sincere admiration for Joe that came through to me. They respected him and felt empowered by him. When I moved into the position of CEO many years later, I could tell that people's admiration had lasted over time. He had established this cohesion with his staff, 
of giving the staff a sense of community and making sure the staff knew just how important they were and are to healthcare in this country, the profession of pharmacy certainly, but also to the importance of their role. And that's lasted through until today. I know that for Joe, family was always extremely important as was his religion. When you put those things together, it carried over to his relationship with the ASHP staff and how he wanted the ASHP staff to interact with each other. Yet, as much as Dr. Otis brought the staff together, part of being a CEO is making difficult decisions, isn't it? That's right, Dan. As CEO, you walk a very fine line making decisions that some are happy with and others aren't. You have to make decisions that individuals may not agree with. Joe managed that very well. He really understood what the role of the CEO was and when a CEO should participate and intervene and when the CEO should not, when they should delegate and empower. He had a good sense of that. Likewise, he had a very good sense of that with his board as well. When he needed to, he would step in and say, these are the reasons why I think this is not the right decision or right direction. He would do that appropriately and in a way that people would understand and would come along with, whether it was with the board, his staff, or members. A lot of that comes from what Joe was like as a person, his values and his experience. He was a person who learned from decisions, and by the time I got to know Joe, he was in the position of CEO for several decades, so I saw an extremely talented and experienced CEO. I'm curious, Paul, when you look at what you learned from Dr. Otis and advice that still rings true today, what jumps out as some of the key learnings that you took away from your relationship with Dr. Otis? Well, now that in my position as CEO, I often reflect on how Joe handled and managed situations. Joe and I are different people and have different styles, but I learned a lot from him. I learned from observing Joe, how he worked with members, individuals in leadership positions, how he worked with people across the entire profession, in the pharmaceutical industry, executives, people in other healthcare organizations, a whole mix of people. Sometimes you don't realize you're learning as you're observing, but you are learning. When I first became CEO of ASHP, I asked Joe if he'd be willing to meet with me for lunch or dinner every month or so. Our dinners and lunches lasted at least a couple hours, and Joe would reminisce about some of the things ASHP did and why, so I could get a better picture of his experiences at ASHP. I often used him as a sounding board. In addition, he would occasionally call just to see how I and ASHP were doing. ASHP's success continued to mean so much to him. Joe was the consummate diplomat in the way he worked with people. And I'll share an interesting story with you, if you're willing. During one of the mid-year meetings in Las Vegas, when I was president, I was with Joe and it was very busy, typically. And we were going from group to group and place to place. Now, if you remember, when the mid-year is in Las Vegas, that also was when the National Finals Rodeo was held, which, of course, is a huge event for the rodeo community. Well, we were walking back to the hotel together from the convention center, 
and we were going through a very crowded hotel lobby. We were walking to the elevators and Joe was saying, hello, how are you? To just about everybody. And I said, Joe, um, how do you know all these people? Because he was saying hello to each as if he was saying hello to a friend. Joe said he didn't know if he knew those people, but as he didn't know if they were a member or not, he was going to say hello to everyone. He figured out that anyone not in cowboy dress could possibly be an ASHP member. And that was Joe. He was warm, friendly, and outgoing to everyone. But going back to your question about key learnings, Joe treated everyone with respect and everyone he interacted with felt the warmth and enjoyed being in his company. As I mentioned, he didn't have any errors about him. That's a great story, Paul. And a perfect lead in to my next question. In addition to being known as a warm and caring person, Dr. Otis was also known for his strong sense of humility. Tell us about his characteristic humility and and how that made him a successful leader in the pharmacy community. Well, Joe's humility and the way he gave advice was always in such a manner that he was giving you information and guiding you to make a decision rather than telling you what to do or appearing to be pushing for something. Now, if push came to shove and something needed to happen, he was a strong leader. To be a CEO of an organization, you have to be a strong leader, but you have to mix that with humility. You have to mix that with greatly minimizing ego and mix that with good listening and very good interpersonal skills. While you need to have a presence, you also need to minimize that presence and maximize that of others. Joe combined all of that so he could, in essence, bring people along, whether they be board members, officers, or staff. He helped us reach the right decisions, and that's due to a mix of his humility and confidence in himself. A lot of where ASHP is today is due to the seeds that Joe planted, the ideas Joe had, or the ideas that Joe nurtured. Got it. You once wrote in a CEO blog that that Dr. Otis, and I'll quote you, is and always will be part of ASHP's culture and DNA. You alluded to this when you talked about the seeds that he planted. Can you expand on that? Under your leadership, in fact, ASHP named its building and then its global headquarters after him. Well, I've always been such an admirer of who Joe was as a person and how ASHP developed and grew and what it achieved under his leadership. Of course, every organization names things after influential people and not to minimize the contributions of many others who are part of ASHP, but thinking about the duration of time Joe was CEO and everything ASHP was able to achieve during that time, I thought it was a no-brainer. Why don't we name this building at 7272 Wisconsin Avenue after him? And our board readily agreed. Joe led ASHP to purchase its first building at 4630 Montgomery Avenue in Bethesda, and then made the decision to buy the new building at 7272 Wisconsin Avenue. I happened to be on the ASHP board at that time and saw firsthand how Joe had researched it, and he was looking out for our needs and envisioning the future of the value of real estate in the Bethesda area at that time. He had to convince the board as it was the biggest sum of money that we had ever decided upon. 
there was significant risk involved and he was able to convince us to make that decision. So when I became CEO, it was an easy decision to name the headquarters building at 7272 Wisconsin Avenue after Joe. I put it to the board and it was a unanimous decision. There are very few events that have given me more personal satisfaction than when we were able to name our building after Joe. At the dedication ceremony, his children, Joe Jr. and Marie, and some of his grandchildren were there, in addition to the entire ASHP staff. We also invited past staff members, past presidents, and our board. And I'll never forget how wonderful that event was. Yeah, I remember it as a beautiful, sunny day. And, and there were political leaders there from Montgomery County who also attended the, the dedication. I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Paul, that Dr. Otis had established a presence in the community and Bethesda as well? That's a great point, Dan. Joe was a respected member of the pharmacy community, but he also was respected by a broader community as well as a business leader and as a resident of the area. I saw that back when I was a board member, and I saw that during his retirement as well. Joe brought a major organization to Bethesda when he first bought our building on Montgomery Avenue. And in doing so, ASHP brought a tremendous number of visitors and guests to Bethesda. We also brought a lot of business to the restaurants in the area, and many of the staff at the restaurants knew Joe because he was warm and friendly to everyone, no matter who they were. Dan, that reminds me of another story, if I might tell it. When I was CEO, I was traveling with Joe, and we were at an FIP meeting in Amsterdam where they were honoring Joe, who, by the way, was a past president of FIP and helped that organization mature and grow to what it is today. We were at the main hotel, and we were going to walk out to buses to take us to a large dinner that was being held in honor of Joe. What we didn't know at the time was that there was a big soccer game in that city of two big rivals and the coach of the soccer team and the players were staying at that same hotel and there was a game that night. So as we walked out, there was a crowd of people on one side of the exit that extended about 20 to 30 feet behind a rope line waiting for the soccer team to come out. But unknowingly, the first person to come out of the hotel before the soccer team was Joe. I think Joe must have looked somewhat like the soccer coach <laughs> And all the people stuck out their hands to shake hands with Joe. Now, Joe Jr., Joe's son, and I hung back a little bit watching all of this. Then we all got on the bus and we watched the soccer coaching team come out of the hotel. And we realized what happened and really had a good laugh about it. And Joe Jr. still tells that story today. <laughs> it's a great story. It's a, it's a magnificent story. Well, Paul... Dr. Otis made many enduring accomplishments over the course of his long career. Speaking as the CEO of ASHP today, which of Dr. Otis's achievements stand out the most to you? Dan, if you look at the COVID-19 pandemic and all the resources ASHP has put out to our members and healthcare professionals at large in terms of the care for COVID patients, all of this started with Joe's early vision for drug information in AHFS. 
He gave us the seeds and the foundation and the structure to be able to expand our programs, whether they were educational programs at our summer meetings or the mid-year meeting. Without that, we would not have been able to put out all the very important information we did during the COVID pandemic. Joe also pushed and pursued residency training and the establishment of residency accreditation. It's important to take a step back and consider the long-term impact on patient care and pharmacy services that resulted from residency accreditation. Joe's thoughts from very early on were, okay, we're establishing a residency accreditation standard, but we're going to use that standard to push the profession in healthcare ahead. It was his idea to look not only at the educational program, but at the entire medication use system and the entire pharmacy department when accrediting a residency program and do this to keep elevating the practice of pharmacy. He planted the seeds to use residency accreditation to not only train pharmacy residents, but also to push the profession ahead to constantly improve care and constantly improve medication use. He understood and foresaw that residency accreditation had more of an impact than just training two residents or 10 or 50 residents each year in a particular organization. Many of the ideas Joe took to the board or the SHP staff might not have happened if not for his drive. These ideas would never have blossomed into the major things they are today. We would never have had a mid-year meeting so large if Joe was not constantly encouraging change and improvement. You know, Paul, it's been a special experience to talk with you today and to hear about what a remarkable person Dr. Otis was and his, his and his impact on so many people. Before we sign off, I'd love to hear one more story. Would you be willing to do that for us? Sure, Dan. I, I'd, be, I'd be happy to. This is one of my favorite things to do, to tell some of these stories about Joe. This one's a humorous one. And it's actually one of his son, Joe Jr.'s favorite stories to tell. And I think it really speaks to his father's character. When Joe's son, Joe Jr. was in high school, he and a friend skipped school and hitchhiked into downtown Bethesda for the afternoon or day. When it was time to hitchhike back to the school, they were standing on a corner and a car stopped to pick them up. The driver and another individual in the front seat were both in suits. The driver said, jump in, boys, and they both got in the back seat. The driver then said, where are you going? And Joe Jr. named a location near their high school. There was really nothing said during the entire ride. It was really very quiet. When they arrived at the destination, Joe Jr. and his friends said thank you and, and jumped out of the car. Well, once out of the car, Joe Jr.'s friend asked Joe Jr., did you know the driver? Is, is that why he stopped? And Joe Jr. said, yeah, that was my dad. And that was the ASHB president in the front seat with him. By chance, uh, Dr. Otis uh, just happened to be driving by, saw them, and stopped to pick them up. Well, Joe Jr. was sweating all afternoon, waiting for his dad to get home from work. When Joe got home, he never said a word about it, 
never asked why they skipped school. Joe acted like it never happened. This began to really worry Joe Jr. even more. So the next day he asked his father why he didn't say anything about this. And Joe said, I thought that ride and waiting for me to get home was enough punishment. Well, Dan, the point of this story is Joe allowed people to learn lessons without telling them explicitly what to do. He had an innate ability to work with people and take things in stride, whether it was with his son or an ASHP staff member, a member, a board member, or others. He dealt with situations with great wisdom and confidence. That story really does speak to wisdom, doesn't it, Paul? Thank you for sharing that. It's it's just such a wonderful story. And, and I want to thank you. I want to thank Dr. Paul Abramowitz for joining us today for a wonderful conversation about a remarkable pharmacy leader, friend, and mentor. Join us next time at ASHP Official for another episode of the life and legacy of Joseph A. Otis to hear more about Dr. Otis's influential contributions to the profession of pharmacy. And visit ajhp.org to read the Joseph A. Otis tribute issue published on August 15th. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues, family, friends, and via your social media of choice. Thanks for joining us for the Life and Legacy of Joseph A. Otis podcast series and learning how the foundation he laid more than 60 years ago shaped who we are today. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes that explore important issues that impact the pharmacy profession.